Hello, 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 and welcome to Stigma Busters. My name is Courtney Rice, and I'll be your host for this podcast. But before we hear from our guests, let me tell you a little bit about me. I am the current manager of marketing and communications with NAMI Wood County. NAMI stands for National Alliance on Mental Illness. And as part of my position, I'm also contracted to do marketing efforts for the Wood County Alcohol, Drug Addiction, and Mental Health Services Board, aka Adamus. I am also a proud graduate of Bowling Green State University and University of Toledo with my BA in psychology, and I also have my master's in social work. I'm also a licensed social worker and a huge mental health advocate. But enough about me. I want to talk to you today about why we decided to do this podcast and what its goals are. We wanted to create this podcast as a way to continue spreading awareness on mental health and addiction issues. In case you didn't know, one in five individuals in the U.S. come face-to-face with a mental health condition each year, and that includes the folks right here in Wood County. So on this show, we want to talk to local therapists, social workers, counselors, and others to learn more about not only how you can get help in Wood County, but also we want to bust some stigma. So in case you don't know what stigma means, I'll tell you according to the Google machine. Stigma is the disapproval of or discrimination against a person based on perceivable social characteristics that serve to distinguish them from other members of society. But unfortunately, this happens way too often with mental health and addiction. How many times have you ever heard that people are, quote, crazy or, quote, psychotic? How about people with mental illness are violent? Watch out for those people. They belong in the loony house. That talk stops here. We are going to bust stigma because after all, we are the stigma busters. Kind of like the Ghostbusters. I ain't afraid of no stigma. With all our talks and interviews, we are hoping to continue to spread awareness on mental illness, addiction disorders, and most importantly, we want to help you get the help that you need. Today's episode is brought to you by Unison Health. Their mission is to create hope through superior integrated community healthcare. Unison Health has a comprehensive care plan for those they help and can include assistance with behavioral health, substance use disorders, overall primary care. Additionally, they can offer treatment through their subacute detox unit and the Center for Treatment of Anxiety located in Perrysburg. You can visit their website, www.unisonhealth.org. Before we dive in more into our podcast, we want to share a disclaimer for our audience. The content we share on Stigma Busters can bring up a variety of feelings and thoughts, and the Wood County Alcohol, Drug Addiction, and Mental Health Services Board is here to help you. If you want to connect with mental health and or addiction resources and treatment, you can dial 211 and you will be connected to services today. Sometimes, Folks may have thoughts of suicide or hurting ourselves or others. If you are experiencing these type of thoughts, please dial the Wood County Crisis Line. That number is 419-502-HOPE. So again, 419-502-4673. And you'll be connected to an experienced counselor right here in Wood County who will help you get help. You can also text 4HOPE, so the number 4HOPE, to the crisis text line, and that number is 741-741, and you'll be connected to a counselor within minutes. Always remember, help is here. 
Welcome, everyone. On today's episode of Stigma Busters, we're going to be talking about exposure therapy and obsessive compulsive disorder. So I'm sure some of you may have heard of maybe exposure therapy or obsessive compulsive disorder, also known as OCD. Some of that might have been good and some of it might have been bad. But overall, we're going to talk about how this type of therapy's purpose is to help with these anxious behaviors and thoughts. Today, we're chatting with Bill Emheiser, who is the current director of public relations for Unison Health in both Wood and Lucas County. He is a licensed clinical counselor and has worked for many years as a therapist, specifically helping individuals who experience anxiety. So we're really excited to have Bill on today and pick his brain a little bit on his experience and his expertise in this area of practice. So let's go ahead and get started. How are you, Bill? I am super fantastic and I'm really excited to be here with you, Courtney. Yeah, things are good. You know, I know 2020 has been uh, kind of a challenging year, but we are almost at the finish line. So that's good. Uh, and I think 2021 is going to be an amazing year. I love your optimism so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel I, like we do more of that. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I am. I'm a, I'm, I've been accused of living in the land of rainbows and unicorns. And then that's OK. I'm OK with that. You know, it keeps me going. That, but even my optimism meter has gone a little low this year. But I, I'm surrounded by great folks and I get to do so, so many neat things with folks to help out. And uh, so it keeps keeps the optimism high. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's wonderful. Uh, speaking of that, can you tell me just a little bit about yourself? So what you do now and maybe how you got to this point? Yeah, it's kind of a, a weird story that I'm uh, the director of uh, public relations since I'm a I'm a counselor. I don't have an education in public relations <laughs> or marketing or any uh, such a thing, but I have been in, in mental health since 1993. So a long time I've been an independently licensed clinical counselor in the state of Ohio since 1998. I have worked with a wide variety of different populations from forensic folks who have both mental health and forensic issues, as well as children and families. But I, I have to say my heart has always been in the area of helping people with OCD specifically and anxiety disorders. And I've gotten to do that for a long, long time. And uh, it's really rewarding because mental health issues can be debilitating. OCD is one of those ones that even the World Health Organization uh, once identified as one of the top 10 most debilitating health issues in the world. And so people who suffer with uh, OCD, the good news is while it can be extremely debilitating, there are great treatment options. And I love, I'm kind of a short or brief therapy kind of guy. I like that there's a beginning, a middle and an end of therapy. And, and I really, really get excited to see people move from point A to point B and really kind of become their own therapists and be able to achieve their goals and their interests. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a wonderful way to kind of look at therapy, especially from a therapist perspective. I think a lot of times people will go into therapy and just not really know what's going to happen. So it's wonderful to have a therapist who will meet you where you are, if you will. So I think that's a really important skill to have if you're working as a therapist. So in talking about that, you said that there's some different uh, therapies that could be involved with OCD. One of them that I know about and would love to learn more about is exposure therapy. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Absolutely. So specifically the, with OCD, we call it exposure and response prevention. And exposure therapy in general is 
exactly what it sounds like. You kind of expose yourself to the things that cause discomfort or fear or anxiety. And we do it in a um, graduated way. We don't but, you know, if you're afraid of dogs, we don't we don't take you and find the biggest, scariest dog and have you in the room with it and have it jump on you or anything like that. Right. So it's a it's a very graded way. So if somebody were afraid of dogs and I've worked with people that are frightened of dogs, we start maybe with pictures of dogs. Right. And then maybe videos of dogs and then maybe looking at dogs from across the room that are in maybe a cage or a container, or a box, something like that. And then slowly but surely, the person uh, that I'm working with will get closer and closer and then um, maybe be able to reach out and touch touch the dog and then pet the dog and then maybe even have the dog uh, sit close to them and walk the dog. And so it, it really is. I mean, that's an example of exposure therapy with OCD. It's, it's very similar, whatever the thing is, however, the OCD is attacking the person. There is a list of things that the person is, you know, situations, thoughts that the person is avoiding or trying to escape. And what we do is we actually confront those head on. So that's the exposure piece. The response prevention piece is typically with OCD, there is an effort to get rid of the discomfort, whether, whether that's a thought, uh, whether that's a situation. And uh, what we call those are rituals. So that's the compulsive part of the OCD. In response prevention, what we do is we actually eliminate that, that behavior. So we're looking for anything that is a ritual or reassurance, escape, avoidance, distraction. We try to eliminate those behaviors while being exposed to the thing that causes discomfort. And over time, people learn that the thing that they thought was dangerous is actually safe, or they learn that they can handle it. And either way, when people um, engage in exposure and response prevention, what we see is the frequency of the disturbing thoughts starts to uh, diminish, the intensity of that, that the feelings that come along with those disturbing thoughts uh, starts to decrease, and the duration typically shrinks so that when you do feel discomfort, it's not for that long. Some people will experience it almost all day, you know, eight or more hours a day of discomfort. And, um, and so we can usually shrink that ways down and, and get people back to life. That sounds wonderful. I mean, it sounds like it could be kind of an intense therapy method to use, but it seems like the end results, I should say, sound wonderful. Being able to cope and handle those sorts of stressors. And like you said, those disruptive thoughts and just being able to handle things day in and day out because you know as someone who lives with generalized anxiety disorder i know that can be pretty debilitating to deal with that day in and day out so yeah i i think it's wonderful that this type of therapy is available to folks absolutely and courtney let me let me address the uh, the intensity piece that you talked about because some people most folks will get in their mind that uh, this is going to be unbearable and that it's going to be really really difficult to do and while it is challenging uh, one of the things that we do is we it is a the therapist who does exposure response prevention uh, is not the expert on, <laughs> they're the expert of the therapy, but the, the person, the client that we're working with is the expert on their experience. And so we work really closely with the client to make sure that they are the ones that are kind of saying, here's my, we do something called a fear hierarchy. And, and this is what, when people are talking about the disturbing thoughts or the disturbing experiences uh, that cause so much angst and, and really impairs their ability to function, we start uh, on a zero to 10 point scale with 10 being the most intensive exposure and zero being not, not, you know, there's no anxiety or discomfort at all. And what we do is we just kind of put down everything that the person is avoiding or escaping from any kind of situation, whether that's a thought that they're trying to get rid of, or it is a situation we have them list all of those things. So I, I get a big old whiteboard out. We, we, we list them all out and then we rate them 
from low to medium to high. And typically what we like to do, what I like to do, at least to start at that low to medium, because I want people to have confidence that they can do this because they can. And you have to realize that OCD is kind of nefarious. It will tell you that you can't do this. You can't stand it. You can't bear it. And um, if we start at, at a point uh, that the, the client feels comfortable with, then we reduce that level of discomfort. And once the person practices over and over and over again with me, typically to begin with, and then I give them homework and they practice that, maybe something that's at a level four or level five uh, exposure to start out with, they start getting confidence. They're like, I can do this. I got this. This is going to work. And then they get to pick and choose the speed that we go up that list. And it is, it feels a lot like a roller coaster that, um, you know, it's that first hill that is, really frightening and you can it it seems like it takes a little bit of time to get there but once you cross over that top and you can you, you the the roller coaster gets rolling uh therapy gets rolling pretty fast and people um my experience at least uh, really start getting the hang of it and start feeling a lot better once we get over that first hump yeah it sounds like a very collaborative process too being able to work closely with any therapist that someone may be working with who has the ocd and yeah, just working together to figure it out, having the interactive piece of actually writing things down. That sounds like very interesting and something that I think people who maybe are experiencing that should look into because I know a lot of times when I hear exposure therapy, yeah, I think the example that you shared of, well, I'm scared of dogs. So you're going to take me to, you know, the biggest, <laughs> scariest dog you can right. <laughs> deal with it. But yeah, I think the way you're describing it doesn't seem as intimidating <laughs> at all. Yeah, and and that's the point, right? So if I if I took somebody who was you know frightened of dogs, for instance, and we went to the dog pound and we got the biggest scariest dog, that you know whatever they thought was the biggest scariest dog, and we said, all right, now you got to go over and touch it uh, and hang out with it, and um, that they probably aren't coming back to therapy anymore. And I don't, I wouldn't blame them. <laughs> My job is not to torture people; it's actually to help them uh, really habituate or in a, you know their their body just kind of gets used to the discomfort slowly but surely. It's sort of like getting into a um, a, a pool of, you know, when you get into the pool early in the, the season of sports, especially here in Northwest Ohio, um, and it's really cold. If you swim around for about five or 10 minutes after a while, you get used to it. And somebody will walk up to you and say, how's the water? And you'll say, oh, it, it's great. Once you get used to it, that's habituation. The water actually didn't get warmer. Your body just adapted to it. Now it feels warm. And there's another philosophy or another, another theory behind it that we're just teaching safety that it's either your body's habituating or your brain is kind of learning that, you know what, this dog is not as dangerous as what I thought they were. And, and all dogs aren't necessarily dangerous. In fact, most dogs are quite pleasant to be around. And, and so you're, you're teaching your brain, the more primitive part of your brain, that information. And that, that does bring me to one other thing that I sh really should have mentioned. And that is that this therapy is not like a lot of therapies that people think of. This is not a therapy where we sit in an office and we talk. This is a doing or an action-oriented therapy. Uh, and so my therapy is rarely in the office um, because most people, uh, their fears aren't coming into the therapist's office. What it is is maybe it's touching things in their home. Um, you know, a lot of folks that I work with are fearful of getting, um, you know, contaminated with, if I touch this doorknob, I'll get uh, HIV or I will get uh, hepatitis or uh, some other kind of illness. And so a lot of it entails me working with the person in their home or in the community, touching doorknobs, uh, practicing that over and over and over again, or touching things within their, their home. Or, and sometimes we do some office work as well, but uh, most of my, my work is actually outside of the office, in the community and, and in people's homes and wherever it is that um, they're, they're suffering and, and, and having a difficult time. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's wonderful that you're able to go out in the community and actually get people in the environment that they're working in. Because a lot of times, yeah, when you go to therapy, you may talk through things or uh, any thoughts you may have. But it sounds like a lot with OCD, you're you're nervous about the stimulus that's right in front of you that's in your environment. So. Yeah, I this does sound like a very interesting uh, therapy module, but I do want to talk a little bit more about what our podcast is about. So stigma, mm -hmm. uh, we are the stigma busters, if you will. Yeah. So um, there may be different types of stigma that are associated uh, with OCD. And I would love to hear um, just maybe from your past experience, uh, maybe how you have handled with any stigma relating to OCD or exactly what kind of stigmatizing language have you heard? Um, just talking a little bit more about that. Well, I think OCD is one of those ones where people don't understand what OCD is. And so they say, well, I, I'm I'm really neat. And so I have OCD or I, I, it, that's really not OCD. <laughs> and and for people who really have OCD, it can kind of put them off a little bit because they're like, oh, that's not, that's not really what it is. Most of us think about, and even I use the example of contamination obsessions, right? But there, are, the way that OCD works is it attacks people in such a way that just about anything your brain can think of, it can find a way to attack it. And so people will have thoughts of uh, maybe aggressive obsessions, maybe the fear that they might harm themselves, even though they have no desire to, or even worse, harming others. Maybe having the fear of um, sexual obsessions, things, uh, having fears of, you know, what if, I worked with uh, an individual who was in a related was in a, uh, a healthy, uh, long term relationship with his significant other, he, and he was going to get married. And he was he was having doubts. His his OCD was attacking him and saying, "What if you're straight and you just don't know it?" And so it was causing relationship problems with him and his significant other just before their their marriage. And people will say, "Well, where does where do these thoughts come from?" Uh, and they might be embarrassed to say, "I'm having these really disturbing thoughts." about maybe harming others or about, um, you know, about contamination. What if I, I know that it, it, it doesn't make any sense that I would get uh, HIV from a door handle, but what if I do? Uh, and so um, it can be really, really tough for people to even talk about these things because the themes uh, can be embarrassing or can be difficult for folks. And so um, I, I think that's one of the biggest barriers. And who wants to, you know, I've worked with a mom one time who, um, who was fearful. She had, she had um, children. She kept getting these images of their, her young children when she was pushing them in a carriage that she might push them out in front of a semi-truck. I mean, what a horrible thought to keep having. And of course, what that did is she stopped, uh, she would get a babysitter to protect her kids from herself, even though she would never harm her kids. She kept getting that disturbing thought. What if I push my kids in front of, you know, in front of the semi-truck and, and I'm a, maybe I'm a serial killer and I just don't know it. You know, we usually go around telling people those kinds of thoughts, right? Those are thoughts that are really frightening and they're so disturbing for the individual. They're they're trying to think, what is wrong with me? And the reality is nothing's wrong with you. Uh, the, the thing that is, is wrong is that your brain is stuck, that those disturbed, we all have disturbing thoughts. I guess that's what I like people to know is everyone has disturbing thoughts. The difference between people with OCD and people who don't have OCD is that people with OCD, the thoughts come into your mind and they get stuck there. Those really disturbing thoughts and images when they show up, they stay. And the more you try to fight it, the more you try to get rid of it, uh, the more they show up and the more disturbing uh, it feels. Whereas most of us, when we have an icky thought that comes into our mind, if we get a visualization or something that pops in there, uh, you, you go, oh, I don't, I don't like that. And it goes away and you don't think about it anymore. Uh, it, and that's, that's how most of us deal with that. But all of us have disturbing thoughts. 
Um, and um, there's also a myth that we control our own thoughts. The reality is, is we don't. There's a lot of research out there that shows that um, the thoughts that we have, we can influence our thinking by focusing. But the reality is, is thoughts come into our head all the time that we don't want, um, that are disturbing. And um, uh, again, with people with OCD, it's really tough to tell somebody that they are experiencing that. And they don't know that it's OCD because everybody has it in their mind that OCD is, um, I'm a neat freak. And that's not what OCD is at all. Um, you know, OCD is these unwanted, disturbing thoughts or images uh, that keep showing up over and over and over again. And the harder you try to get rid of them with rituals, with reassurance, with escaping, with avoidance, the more they come back and the more intense they become. Yeah, that was a great educational piece just about what uh, OCD is and any stigma surrounding it. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing. I did want to go back to one thing you had said just about that stereotype of what OCD um, is to people who may not have OCD or may not understand OCD. So you said at one point, a lot of people think if you have OCD, you're just really neat. And I've heard that a lot of times before, like, oh, I'm so OCD. I'm mm -hmm. so like, so organized. How would you go about maybe educating someone about this stigmatizing language? Because it can be uh, pretty upsetting for someone who may experience those icky thoughts, as you said, that they're just kind of throwing it under like anyone who's super organized or uh, super neat is just just has OCD. So how would you um, tell someone about the stigmatizing language and how to combat it? Yeah, I, I think just, you know, calling things, we, we we do, we, I think as it's natural for human beings, we we like to categorize things and label things, but I think sometimes we, um, we just do it incorrectly, right? I mean, we, we name things that aren't, right? We've done that before where we label something and we find out just because it sounds neat, right? Or where we think we're being charming or funny. Oh, yeah, I have OCD, right? Um, and so I would just encourage people to, to, to really think about, you know, if OCD is, it's, you know, think about this. If you have these disturbing thoughts and it's impairing your life, you know, there's impairment. It's it's interrupting your ability to to function, to go to school, to go to work, to uh, have healthy relationships with others. It's getting in the way of you and your spirituality. Any of those things that it's more likely to be OCD. If you're really neat and it doesn't bother, uh, it's not impairing your ability. It's not OCD. And so I would encourage people to let's just call it what it is. I'm just really I'm a very neat person, right? I like things to be a particular way. I feel more comfortable when things are a particular way, and that's a better description than OCD. OCD is is actually a very impairing or can be a very impairing uh, diagnosis. And um, and so we want to be make sure that we're being careful with that. And, um, and because it also minimizes the experience of people that really do have OCD. And I promise you, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of great information out there. If you're interested, the International OCD Foundation, um, you can find that online, uh, just put it in Google. And um, they have a lot of great articles on OCD and people who have actually experienced it and some, maybe some stigma uh, busting ideas there as well. Um, but I really believe the best way to overcome stigma um, is one, be supportive of, of your loved ones. Be, be Give yourself a little bit of grace if you're experiencing this and a little bit of mercy and uh, reach out and get some help. This is not one that you want to try to do by self-help. Um, OCD is not is is not typically one of those things where you're like, I'm going to pick up a book. You probably will need some assistance because everything uh, your every cell in your body is going to be screaming to do the obsession or do the the compulsion, do the rituals. 
And the more you do the rituals, the more difficult it becomes. So I would say, um, you know, uh, and if somebody does come to you and say, if they have a disturbing thought and you go to your support system, you know, those people who are the support system to be non-judgmental, to be supportive and to help that person uh, recognize that they're not a horrible person. Um, and, uh, you know, the fact that it bothers them that they have these thoughts demonstrates that, um, you know, they're not an awful human being at all. And we just need to get them help because, uh, you know, we, we, our brain is stuck and we got to need to get it unstuck. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. You even mentioned uh, the next thing I was going to ask you is how you can support someone uh, who you may know who's experiencing this anxiety. And it sounds like, you know, being able to just listen to them and um, maybe help them get the help that they need and helping them seek those resources that are available in our community in Wood County. So, yeah, I want to give you opportunity if there was anything else uh, you wanted to say or any other thoughts that you may have had. Um, but you you answered all my questions beautifully. So I appreciate you, sir. Well, thanks. I, I, I really appreciate you having me on. And, and I just, uh, you know, I want to encourage people, um, you know, if you have any kind of, whether it's OCD or it's some other um, a mental or emotional issue that's going on with you. And you find that you go a couple of weeks and it's not going away and it's, it's getting, it's impairing your ability to, again, interact with other people, to work, to go to school, to achieve the things that you want to achieve. Um, reach out and get some help. Uh, you know, it's, you know, things are, are changing in the world. I think people, I, I think seeking, of course, you're talking to a counselor, but I think seeking out uh, assistance, uh, getting therapy, uh, reaching out when you need it is shows courage and, and it shows a level of vulnerability. And that vulnerability um, is the thing that will help. Uh, hopefully, if you're willing to be vulnerable, will help get you, um, you know, the help that you need. And uh, and therapy isn't as horrible as what some people think it is. It's actually if you get the right therapist, if you can connect with your therapist, there's a lot of great ones uh, here in Wood County and Lucas County and in, in Ohio, really across the country. Uh, don't be bashful. Go out, seek out help. Um, there's no reason in today's day and age to suffer. Yes. Yeah. I love that call to action of go to therapy. <laughs> that <laughs> right. It can be really helpful for a lot of folks. So, well, thank you so much uh, for coming on today. Uh, we just spoke with Bill Emheiser, the current uh, director of public relations with Unison Health. Um, feel free to check out uh, Unison's website. That is www.unisonhealth.org. So thanks again, Bill. We really appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me. Stigma Busters is written and hosted by Courtney Rice and recorded and produced by Kaylee Molman. Music is composed by Ben Damon. Stigma Busters is funded by the Wood County Alcohol, Drug Addiction, and Mental Health Services Board. Stigma Busters is available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe today.